All right. Good. What is it? Evening. Good evening, everybody. This is the Aristogamer podcast with uh, Devin and Casey. Or no, not Devin. Colby and Casey. Devin is uh, eating dinner or something, so he will be unable to join us for this episode. Uh, the magical lions of Africa. Yeah. Let's say that. Um, so we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be lurk- looking um, this day at uh, like E3 news because that's coming up next month. It's actually coming up in a couple of weeks, isn't it? Yeah, we got to cover that stuff. Yeah, um, I'll be uh, I'll be covering it. I guess we will all be covering it um, online, uh, depending on you know what what the event is and whether or not it has live streaming as it happens, uh, like we did last year, having IM conversations to comment on it and uh, to give news updates about what's going on within the conferences. And man, those are just really um, those are hard to do. Yeah, but well, I mean, we can help out with Twitter, I guess, and just post everything on Twitter too. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, be looking forward to that. We're gonna have uh, posts every day about you know what the what the news for that day was, links to trailers, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But let's uh, let's dive into into what we think maybe is gonna be there. I I can almost guarantee you we're gonna hear some more about Halo Four. Oh, absolutely. Especially if it's planned to come out sometime in holiday seasons. They've already announced multiplayer and stuff. I I would be surprised if they didn't announce like a beta or and have a new trailer or something. Yeah, I would. I would be kind of surprised if they didn't have either a, a a multiplayer beta demo. I mean, I'm. I mean, what they could do is they say the beta is now live and you can go play it and stuff as a giant E3 announcement. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised with that. Microsoft has made some pretty pretty radical announcements like that. Whenever they did the uh, console redesign, was it last year? Uh, and, and they just ago. announced that it was going to the shelves like now. And I was like, what? And then, like, the people there got free 360. I know. I was so mad. I was like, why not me? Why am I not there? Me too. So, okay. So we've got Halo 4. Um, I guess, are there any more sequels that may not be coming up? Um, um, I, I'm expecting we're going to hear uh, a bit more on um, what's going to be coming out of Square Enix. Uh, because Miyamoto, or not Miyamoto, whoever's been doing Square Enix stuff has kind of mentioned... Uh, that it's time to go back to Kingdom Hearts 3. And also, they'll have to talk about Final Fantasy 13 versus. Yes. Forever. I was going to bring up both of those. Uh, so, Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance, Kingdom Hearts 3D, uh, for the 3DS is going to be coming out, I think, this year. Um, yeah. m- maybe next year. But uh, I, I would I would honestly be surprised if they didn't announce... Um, well, I guess, no. If... Uh, if if they were going to have an announcement for either of those games for Kingdom Hearts three, uh, uh, I would say they're probably going to do it at Tokyo Game Show, wouldn't you? Yeah, because I mean both those games are are kind of a uh, centered. It's not it's not that they don't have an audience here; it's just that they focused on a Japanese audience with those. So it, Tokyo Game Show would be more likely. But Square Enix has always done something to to surprise us, like when they you know I think was it three years ago when they announced that. Uh, 13 was going to be on the 360, and they just, they, I remember watching the stream where they made, um, this camera zoom, like, all the way out, the live, the live stream cameras and stuff that you could watch, you had to zoom all the way out to watch it, and then see Final Fantasy 13 versus 13, and they announced it's going to be the 360, so. I, um, I gotta tell you, that was a really dark day in my history, because that was 2008, and I was really, 
really angry because I was uh, I was toting to everybody being like, well, I got the smart investment. I bought the PS3. That's what the Final Fantasy series is going to be coming out on. That's what it's always come out on. It's it's going to be it's going to be all PS3 all the time, baby. Because nope. that's what they told us. When they oh. said it was going to be a PS3 exclusive, and then I was like, yeah. And then E3 happened, and nope. I can't tell you. Um, how many rage tears I cried into my potbelly sandwich at that lunch, but I did a lot. Of... <laughs> All right. Well, um, I know we're like even though people the the Microsoft and Sony have both said that we're not going to see anything about new consoles. I bet they're going to tease something. I mean, they have to compared to the Wii U. That's probably going to announce what uh, give like. I'm betting that the Wii U will have a full de- a de- either a demo or another like show floor uh, theory demo out uh, ready again for this year. Yeah, you know, honestly, as much as Sony and I guess as much as Microsoft has been like, yeah, we're not going to be putting in a new product and and Sony as well to a certain extent, um, I I would be surprised if they didn't at least tease something because, uh, you know, the Wii U kind of has a momentum going. Um, I'm not going to say that a lot of people want the console because I'm not sure. Like, I think I think people are sort of waiting in the wings on that one, because whenever the Wii came, it was sort of a... um, a weird zeitgeist with everybody where they were like, this is the next big thing. These motion controls and limiting the graphics and taking the button count down and just, you know, being able to restrict the developers just to give them a qual- <laughs> to bring us a quality game. Like that was, that was sort of what was going through the gamers mentality uh, at the time. And, and now it seems like whenever they brought up the Wii U, a whole bunch of people were like, yeah, that sounds really cool. But I mean, eh, I'd have to see it in action. I don't really know. And so and Nintendo's definitely got something to prove this year. And if Sony and uh, Microsoft want to capitalize on that, all they have to do is really show off a console that has better graphics, you know, and, and something uh, potentially innovation, uh, innovational, whatever. There's a there's a yeah. there's an adjective there um, <laughs> or a, a pro pronoun, a proverb, whatever. Um, uh, the, the point here is that, uh, what, what, um, what I'm driving at is that I think that the other companies can capitalize on this E3 as long as they're willing to take a risk on bringing out their consoles now, because Sony has stated, uh, many, many times that the PS3 is a 10 year console. I remember purchasing mine, uh, in Christmas of 2006, so yeah. we're coming up on that here in about four years is the lifetime. And so I would honestly be really surprised if Sony didn't say at the very least say, look for something new at Tokyo game show and flash like a, like a quick picture of like a mock-up of, of a diagram that somebody drew from a camera phone picture. And like yeah. if, if a whole bunch of things don't start being leaked out soon, uh, this is going to be kind of a strange E3, I think, because <laughs> yeah. um, the Wii U is going to be coming out, and people are going to be really interested in how develop- developers are using that. They're going to be really interested in seeing the games that are coming out for that, whereas all the games that are coming out for uh, you know, uh, 360 and PS3, they're kind of standard. You know, you know what the controller is. You know generally what the graphics are going to look like. You can't. There's not a lot of surprises left in these current consoles. Yeah, I mean, on Nintendo, I think that they're they're getting the the they reap what they reap or they're sowing whatever they reap or whatever, um, or they're reaping what they sowed because when the Wii came out and then it hit its giant like amazing print money moment where they all the all the Wii Motion games and all the families were buying it, 
and then now that they have to actually catch up because people are getting, you know, don't play with their Wiis anymore, if they have it and now it's stuck in the corner somewhere, bring it out to play Twilight Princess or something, they have to, you know, catch up. They have to play catch up because our graphics were, were lower. They didn't have a DVD player. They have to do all these things to catch up to what everybody else already has. So I think the Wii U is going to be, uh, they're, they're experimenting to what, you know, more or less copying everybody else, but at the same time still try to innovate stuff. I mean, this year we're going to have, you're going to have announcements or explanation, probably going to have more trailers about, you know, Assassin's Creed, Bioshock Infinite, Halo, Call of Duty Black Ops 2, you know, whatever else is coming out, they're obviously going to have trailers for it. But yeah, like you said, they're, it's pretty standard stuff, either sequels or... I would I would be I would be kind of satisfied and happy if we could see some new IPs coming out like one or even just one or two of the companies taking risks with something different. I mean, the, the, I think Naughty Dog has a Last of Us, but I mean, and there's a couple of new things coming out. But I mean, other than Borderlands Two and all the random random sequels we're gonna have, I'd love to see a, a new IP that's taking a little bit of risk but could have a really great outcome like Dead Space did. Yeah, um, there was that series. God, the the name escapes me. It was like like Overwatch or over something. Yeah, Overwatch something something something. And uh, th- I mean, it it looked like it was um, it looked like it had kind of similar humor to Firefly or the A Team. And uh, I, I was really down for that to see like a uh, an actual ra- <clears throat> wow. Excuse me, I don't know what happened there. Uh, an actual ragtag band of adventurers trying to save the world. Like because as it is. You know, we've I've been inundated with RPG games where it's just like, uh, the hero is this character and there are these people that surround him that are all generally working toward the same goal and they don't have really anything that's weird or quirky or natural about them. But, but something about that trailer, the humor and the dialogue and everything really brought it, really brought the game to life. Though, I, I mean, obviously they didn't do a good enough job uh, marketing what the title is because I can't remember for the life of me. Um, yeah. But... Uh, I mean, whenever it comes out, I, I can guarantee you I will be I will be there to purchase it. And hopefully we'll see more from that, the C3. I, I don't really know. I don't really see why not, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I was looking up trying to figure out what the name of it, but I still can't find it. Um, um, I don't know. I, th- I think that with this E3, it's going to be in a weird state because since because of the previous press releases by the companies, I think that either A is going to be, like, a, a somewhat okay E3 where they're announcing new consoles and they're announcing, like, but, the, I mean, if they announce, like, anything about the console, they won't announce any startup start starting lineup or anything just because it's what they won't do. Like, they'll wait till next E3 to announce all their starting, starting games and stuff. But that also leaves this, you know, seven, eight month, basically their next quarter, to make games and do well on the current consoles when they're kind of more or less like throwing them, almost throwing them out the window. But by the rumors of the of the hardware specifics, is like they're throwing the previous line out the window more or less with used games or lack of backwards compatibility and stuff. So it's going to be weird. Yeah, and another thing about about the C3 that I was kind of bummed out about is that Valve isn't going to be announcing anything. Now that's not uh, anything that's strange. Uh, by any means, but, I mean, they did the exact same thing last year. Uh, however, uh, I, I'm sad because you know, everybody keeps joking, and there's a whole bunch Half-Life of signs 3. that have been like, oh, man, Half-Life 3 is coming out, and it's, it's not going to happen. Um, but, 
they said that they're going to be there. They're going to have a presence. They're going to have a booth. It's just going to be demos of like Dota 2 and um, Counter-Strike, oh. Global Offensive, and some other games. Um, yeah. So, and and showcasing the, uh, what was it, the, the big... Oh god! What is the what is the name of Valve's thing where they have like a super huge display? I forgot what it was called, but it's it's basically the same thing as Ifinity for from ATI, um, oh, okay. but Steam is doing it natively, and that's really neat. Um, really cool technology. Uh, I'm very impressed with them, and I've been reading a whole bunch about like software and hardware R and D projects that they do, and it's all very neat. Uh, but whenever whenever you know Gabe Newell or, or Doug who who worked for them just says yeah. We're just thinking, uh, you know, we'll show up to E3 and we'll give you guys some demos or whatever, but we're not going to announce anything. That just makes me sad. I feel like they're going to have one demo that nobody freaking, like, they're going to have, like, a Half-Life 3 demo. Like, they're going to have a little Easter egg somewhere that that is going to be hidden, like, as one boot, one demo stand in the middle of, of nowhere, um... Uh, middle of nowhere in the back of their booth and it's going to take people to find it and then tweet about it. I, I feel like that would be their style. Uh, that'd be Gabe's style. I'd be like, alright, we're not going to announce this because we're not going to be like everybody else. We're going to put you know, a Half-Life 3 playable demo or like the first chapter of it in the back with one controller that you're playing it on the 360 and nobody's going to see it. And they're not going to even have signs for it unless you like go up and actually see the screen. Well, I mean, and that that would just be so cool to just see like on the last day of E3, whenever everything's winding down, nobody actually has any news to announce, and all of a sudden, you know, the, everybody shows up to the to the floor to play some demos, and all of the games that were at Valve's booth are all gone, and they've all been replaced with a Half Life Three demo. And you know, great. while while we're at it, why don't we just say that Square Enix also has finished Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen, and it's completely playable, and it's out on shelves now, and World Peace oh, you know, let's just throw has come. Let's just throw in Kingdom Hearts 3. It's done, too. We'll just, like, throw it out there. For no yeah, that's too. done. Uh, Halo 4 is done. Also, the Xbox 720 and the PS4 are now actually the same console. Um, they <laughs> fact, they work the together. Mass Effect games have just been released as well. Oh, hey, and they also have a new ending. Uh, hello to Devin, by the way. Uh, Devin uh, just joined from a, a wonderful dinner, I'm sure. Yeah, sorry about that. I had to eat. Yeah, he well. Had the, he had to kill the buffalo in the wild plains of Idaho. I don't. I don't think. The, do we have any buffalo left in America? I think. I think all the pioneers killed them. No. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because we're Americans. That's what we do. I took care of them. Buffaloes are annoying to me. <laughs> they need so, room for the McDonald's. What I say is, I take a bite of a macadamia cookie. <laughs> we're, we're on. Uh, we're on the topic of um, of E three and announcements that are going to be coming out this year. We've already sort of covered uh, Halo Four, a few Square Enix games, and basically saying that we're all sad because Valve isn't announcing anything. How about you, Devin? Do you have any uh, any potential games that uh, may get announced or not announced this uh, this time of E three? Uh, I think this E three is going to be focused a lot more on sequels that you really don't expect to happen. Like you, like everyone kind of freaked out when they brought Twisted Metal, in, and that was a pretty great intro. But I wouldn't be surprised for there to be a sequel to Twisted Metal when there really isn't that much about it or that much excitement generated for it. But it's probably going to happen anyways because they really didn't have much else to work on. Yeah. I mean, uh, whenever Twisted Metal was announced, I remember being so excited, and I went to uh, Comic-Con, and I got to play the demo, and I was like, well, this is pretty good, and then I rented the game, and I started playing it, and I was like, this is, uh, this is not aged well. No. Yeah. No, it hasn't in the least. 
I, I mean, that's actually, why I didn't write a review on it. Is I couldn't, I just, I couldn't finish it. I got, I got about halfway through, and then I was like, I don't really want to play anymore. <laughs> I got, I just came up with three in my head. Um, okay, so last year they made, uh, there's this uh, awesome trailer about, I don't, I don't remember who it was from. Maybe it was from EA. There was this like awesome, like like sit four, four or five person like um team with like random different abilities like one chick was had like a cloak and it was just it was one really awesome i think it's like is like an expendables kind of thing or untouchables i don't remember at all but uh gearbox is probably gonna announce something either brothers in arms or duke nukem related uh i would imagine so because they're gonna they're gonna go like oh hey here's more uh borderlands 2 but then oh, no yeah well we, knew, we know borderlands 2 is coming though i mean who's well but also that? with with the Duke Nukem IP, like they they came out right out and said it like we made this game so we can make the next one. So I'm I'm putting dollars to donuts if they're gonna say something either about Brothers in Arms or um about um uh, Duke Nukem. Either they're gonna say we're they've, gonna have a game They've got something to prove, man. I mean yeah, after do. after Duke Nukem Forever, Gearbox has really got something to prove to their fans because people played through what essentially amounted to a half finished game that was very obvious that the developers changed halfway through. The engine really wasn't done, the multiplayer wasn't fun, there was just it was it was shovelware. That's all it was. It was shovelware with the Duke Nukem name on it, and it was it was I awful. Just with the multiplayer with Duke Nukem, I understand a lot of games, including multiplayer, but I feel like a lot of these games, or rather a lot of these companies are getting so focused on making sure there's a multiplayer aspect for a game that really doesn't need it. Exactly. Like, some yeah. of the Assassin's Creed multiplayer has been fun, and I will admit that it's been clever, but honestly, it was not created with that in mind ever. I mean, Assassin's Creed was done as an intricate storyline over several games and some side games because they really can't let go of Ezio. But the multiplayer is just sort of thrown together, kind of clever, but it's it, it's taking away some of the focus because it's just not necessary. And I feel like it's kind of taking away from the games in general. I don't know, man. Like, the, yeah. the Assassin's Creed multiplayer was was incredible to me whenever i played brotherhood uh i haven't played revelations yet but i'm i'm, I'm sure that it's the same proven everything it's uh, i mean it's it's really fun i i'm really surprised at how well uh, how well they pulled that off um I, I think i think a better example for a game that uh that has multiplayer that that really shouldn't is um oh geez i i, I don't bioshock know 2. yes yes completely agreed bioshock 2 did not need that Half Life yeah. Deathmatch, not not fun. Not <laughs> just saying. Yeah, but Deathmatch is just. <laughs> oh, death well, I, I feel like it's 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 about the companies being able to make money off the replayability. I mean, just the same reason that you have day one DLC and you know people don't like you know the buying the true ending and that kind of thing. It's 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 all about the companies trying to make the most money out of it. And I feel like you get when you get like tacked on multiplayer and that that comes out of the internal struggles between like the dev team and the producers and like the the company executives or the people that are uh you know the heads of the publishing company that have to deal with the dev team and it's kind of like just just a giant argument i mean it's definitely about replayability and trying to make your game appeal to people for longer and more um yeah. The, the the big problem with that is that I mean even even with games that don't do it uh, as far as multiplayer goes like if if there's um, a person created levels like it like in Infamous Two what you could do after you finish the game is you could play levels that were created by people on the internet and these levels featured no voice acting uh, 
thrown together like plot points where it was all text based and it was like oh Cole went to this party and now uh the bad guys stole the uh, disco ball and now you got to go recover the disco ball and I'm like I don't wanna that sounds stupid um all these things they're they're ploys to try to make you play a game more than once and and I get it you know you want the replayability and you want some you want to convince somebody to have a longer investment in your game but if your game is not built for replayability you shouldn't try to shoehorn replayability in like skyrim built-in replayability i can play that game over and over and over again for the rest of my life and never have the same game twice that's the kind of game that it is um but something like infamous something like assassin's creed something like uh you know any of any of the other games that that sort of have multiplayer in them whenever it wasn't originally intended for it uh or or they've opened up the world for no reason to throw in random missions that are created by people that aren't them because they obviously have better things to do than support their old games uh i, I don't I, I can't agree with that i it's it's uh it's a flagrant uh, attempt to try to get more money, and that is kind of yeah. gross. That's and entirely it entirely look- what it is. It's just and all it about looks- getting money. They don't care about the support. They don't care about trying to make it evolve into something. They don't care about people coming home thinking, you know what? It's been a long day at work. I'm really in the mood to play some Bioshock multiplayer. I mean, who ever thinks like that? No one does. They're just kind of banking it on that you'll want to play it because you got so involved with Bioshock. You you know, you kind of want to play a little bit multiplayer so that way it isn't over quite yet, and therefore you're spending more time on the game, and therefore they're making money that way. Well, I mean, I would like, I think I would argue that the dev team, like the, like you look at like, you know, Infinity Ward or, you know, uh, Irrational Games, and they want to take care of the game as much as possible. Like say they add multiplayer into, uh, hypothetically, say they add multiplayer into Bioshock Infinite, you know, for whatever horrible reason they would, you know, they would want to take care of it. They wanted to, they would want to take care of it as best they could and make it as great as possible. They would del- but but they would want to delay the game and they would want to put more time into it. And then two K would be like, no, this isn't going to happen, and put it out. So I would put I would put a lot more of the blame on on the on the publishers than developers because I feel like a lot of times when you talk to like developers, they're like, we can't do much about it because we are at the mercy of the people who give us money for this stuff. Yeah, and and that's sort of a thing that um, nobody really thought about, I think, whenever games were coming up, uh, whenever we were growing up with video games. Nobody ever really associated a publisher with a game. I mean, maybe, uh, but they never really associated bad decisions with the publisher. It was always like, oh, this game sucks. Obviously, whoever produ- whoever uh, coded the game sucks. Uh, we didn't think yeah. about you know that there were I, inner politics and things, and yeah. and especially when people like uh, Tim Schafer in the um in the Double Fine Adventure documentary, just going through that and watching him be like, uh, and talk about you know okay this is how publishers work it's it's bad it's 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 horrible because you know they try to get you to nail down this, these features and they try to get you to have these timelines and include this and to, and to do that and they have a lot more creative control than the developer would like. And so you don't actually ever see a pure developer-driven game, which is you know, why, uh, like one of the reasons why I like Kickstarter a lot now is that you know if, if they have our money, they're going to make the game that they want to make for the fans, and they're not going to have... You know, they're not going to have the interests of the larger corporation in mind. They're going to have in the interests of the fans. And that's, that's something they like. Yeah, you, yeah. Well, the bad games, like with the Super Nintendo... If you think about some of these games, you're thinking, yeah, you know that Batman, that Batman game, 
was pretty dang crappy. But you're not going to blame Nintendo for it because it really wasn't up to them. Nowadays, when you think about some really crappy Wii games, you completely throw the blame at Nintendo and think of it as them being campy and cheesy and not really caring about a serious gamer anymore. I feel Agreed. Like, I feel like that's because uh, it, the quality of games have improved. You, you don't have the range of like utter, absolute garbage because back then you the, you could you can only improve the graphics so much you can only improve you know voice acting and everything else so much now that you have the tools and to do anything you really need to do to make it good there's there's not as many excuses that the developers can have they did the best they could and then now that we're seeing more transparency in the companies people like people like Gabe or, or Ken Levine or whoever are talking about it and they're outspoken they're like yeah all these things are kind of sucking because or Tim Schafer even who talks he literally talks internal politics that we would never know about you know 10 or 20 years ago yeah um i think another another interesting uh topic with this is that publishers choose what games you know they have to they have to put out obviously they're an investment firm all they do is they invest money in something and they hope to make money off of it and uh from that point of view they don't really understand what gamers want or what gamers enjoy about games or exactly. you know the fact that that innovation is something that, that we really enjoy and we genuinely like generally what they do is they say oh this game succeeded let's make a game like this game which you know god of war was made crazy success people loved it dante's inferno dante's inferno precisely that is exactly the game i was going to Marvel dante's Madness. inferno was made kind of bleh no i mean fine Exactly. It's uh, I don't know. It's we've gotten into a into a crazy discussion that has absolutely nothing well, to do with these. Well, it's the same thing like you see with Hollywood. It, it's more. I mean, a lot of people have seen this little kind of pictograph going around on the internet that's talking about Hollywood back in the you know from the late '60s to the early '90s and everything. And it had a lot more originality, especially at the Academy Awards. And nowadays, it's either superheroes or it's sequels or it's more sequels or it's a buttload more of sequels. I mean, it it you can kind of put the same blame towards the gaming industry. There's been so much more focus knowing that, you know what, artistically, this movie isn't quite as innovative as we'd like, but we know it's going to make money and that's all that matters. I mean, it, it's it's no different. It's no different in either industry, really. Exactly. And I mean, you have to look no further than uh, Jack and Jill in the movies to, to know that that's absolutely true. I mean, anybody, if anybody <laughs> Wait, ever pitched what? that movie to anybody else and they were like, listen, this is a movie about Adam Sandler playing a guy who also plays his sister. I'd be like, no, you know those things we did with wow. Eddie Murphy? let's do that with Adam Sandler. That should I, work. I missed, I missed this completely. What yeah. Is this? Oh, it's bad. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. You know, what's the worst thing about it though, is that it was actually a crazy commercial success. No, it yep. wasn't. It was, actually. Jack if you take and Jill? A... It completely flopped at the box office. What are you talking about? It didn't. It didn't flop. It got tons of bad reviews, but a lot of people went to go see it. <laughs> yep. Okay, so even though it's considered one of the worst movies of the decade, people still paid money to see it, so... Yeah. Okay. People still paid money to see Catwoman. Yeah, that's true. Well, they went to see Halle Berry and Spandex. That's all they cared about. Yeah, that ain't bad. Who can complain about that? They to do with Catwoman herself. They just wanted to see her. Yep. So, okay. But anyway, back on track. Well, I guess we should talk about Diablo 3 a little bit, too. Yeah. Devin, have you been playing Diablo 3? No, I haven't. I haven't had time. Oh, best story. Okay, so since I live halfway across the world, when the servers went down for maintenance, the eight hours it was down, it was down for the exact eight hours that I got home from school. 
I get home from class. Oh, no. And I was like, I got on, oh, servers are down. I played for like 20 minutes. And then they said servers are going down, and they were down till 12 until I went to bed. That's... I blame Notch. Oh, I think man. he hacked their systems and brought down their servers so everyone would play Minecraft some more. Yeah, well, Stop I mean, it. that's an argument. <laughs> that is, okay, I guess it is an argument. I, I, but, well, also, apparently, uh, I guess I just read a post about G4 that the people are hacking the servers. Or not the servers, but, like, private accounts and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, so that's an and interesting thing. it's already started up. Um, so... Sean played it a lot, and Sean is actually going to be he's in he's in Italy right now. I'm doing God knows what with blown glass, but um, currently he he told me about the game, and I actually got to play it up until like level five. I, I killed the skeleton king, and it's actually it's really fun. I've never played oh, a Diablo yeah. game before, and I'm not ashamed to admit that because I didn't have a computer good enough to play it. But the point here is that um, they are opening up the uh the market what is it the, the auction house for cash like the actual yeah. you can spend actual money on things in the game that to me is super cool because i can guarantee you there's going to be at least two three thousand people out there that's full-time who uh, have a full-time job just playing diablo 3 and selling their stuff and i saw just a funny picture it came out two days after diablo 3 came out it was a screen cap that was like well i didn't think it would happen this soon and it was just a message that said, uh, legitimate Diablo 3 gold on this website for X amount of dollars. I was like, oh, really? Already they're doing gold farming? This oh, is crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I bet any dude who wants to make uh, a little extra cash can spend, you know, eight hours gold farming on a, a one day, a day or two, and uh, it'd be fine. But I think also they're doing, a, they're taking a lot of uh, giant strides when it comes to making it, like, I think the to the single player and the interaction with co-op and the PvP servers that they're going to... They're supposed to introduce PvP at, later this year, I think probably summer. But yeah, the game is absolutely fantastic, amazing. And the best part is the first your first playthrough, your first character class, is, is like the giant is like a giant tutorial. tutorial. It, it shows you all the ropes that you need, and then you can play it on harder modes, and you want to play it on harder modes because there's more... There's better loot, there's more gold, there's more random dungeons you can go through, more random events... And it makes every and it keeps notching up the fun and the excitement every time you play through that game. Yeah, I I only got to play it for I don't know maybe an hour or two, uh, and I I got to play it on multiplayer too, and that was uh, kind of frustrating and kind of cool at the same time because um, there was a guy that came into our our team and he just powered through everything. He wasn't looking for like extra dungeons and reading stuff and talking to people. He was just like, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm going from here into here. I'm killing the skeleton King. And that was the end of my demo. Like after yeah. an hour or two, my demo was over because this guy powered through it and I just yeah. kept up with him. I'm, so I'm, most of the time I keep, uh, my, uh, my game private. So how, how it works is you can make your game public and other people can just kind of hop in with their character basically as, as like part of your party. But you can keep it private and just play it all by yourself if you have a game. And I'm doing that for the most part at the moment because it's my first. It's still my first playthrough, and I'm doing exactly what you want to do: is all the random dungeons. I'm exploring every map, like any open area. I'm like, I'm gonna go to the very edges of the map, go up and down until I find all the corners, then go in and cover every single piece of track until I find 14 random dungeons and all the loot and all the awesome bosses. And the best part is, is that you will uh, never eat during this time. Oh, I uh, I haven't. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's the thing is though, it's it's fun. Like every every time you think you might want to get bored, you encounter either a new random um, 
boss. Like, the fun thing is they have also, like, um, in the wider areas, they have giant boss battles. Uh, they're, they're more or less boss battles. They have they're the an, a bigger enemy that has a giant health bar that's usually, uh, like, cloaked in some yellow gold, golden glow. And this is that signifies, okay, you're going to get a rare item from this guy, and he's also a boss battle. And there's 14 other, you know, hordes of demons, and you got to fight them off. That's really it's neat. Fun. It is really fun. And um, even, I think the best thing that they've done, that any single RPG from now on should do this, is when it comes to lore, any of the extra books you pick up, or any of the extra, you know, things that happen in the game that deal with the text and the backstory... All you have to do is at the bottom right of your screen, click New Lore, or, cl or click on the book, and it has a voice actor. It has somebody reading it. That is fantastic. That's really cool. They must have spent a lot of time doing that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine the money they spent into just hiring the voice actors to read. But at the same time, it is, the, it is, it is perfect, because anybody who knows, you know, uh, anybody who doesn't know about Diablo can literally sit there and listen to somebody talk about it as you're killing monsters. And... You can also have books that, you know, are little side side stories and stuff that you normally would, like, you'd collect the book and, okay, cool, new book, put away in my, in, you know, my inventory of giant quests and story-related things. Never read again. Well, it, so what I think is really funny about that is that they have people reading a whole bunch of stories and they have, <clears throat> they've obviously invested a whole bunch of money in, in doing that, and that's great. Um, I like how, uh, Skyrim decided to hire like seven voice actors because I, I think, Pete? yeah, I think I, yeah, they hired, they hired Pete and then, uh, some, some dude who was from Transylvania who played like Ulfric and like every other Nord ever. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Like, no, I, no it, kidding. don't they, get me wrong. That, I love though, Skyrim not, has always done that. They've never once really had a game that. I mean, they, they did it in Fallout. They've done it with Oblivion. They, they get some pretty high-end voice actors or just mainstream A or B-list actors to come do voice parts. And then they kind of blow their money on that and spend about 10 bucks on all the other voice actors to come in and do the other voices. Either, hey, we got Patrick Stewart and we got Liam Neeson to come in. So, um, all right, Pete and you. What's your name? Jerry. It doesn't matter. Here, come record for 10 races. Well, exactly. I think, I think they have a smaller budget for voice actors because they have a gigantic budget for making, you know, black magic to fit Skyrim into one disc. Yeah, and maybe that's true, but uh, I I still feel like what what they do is they they hire on the big names. They're like, okay, these are the big names. Let's make them work. Um, we'll we'll give them these lines. These are their specific characters, and then we have the mid tier, the 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 pro voice actors. And we're just going to let them voice everybody. And then yeah. we're just going to let like our daughters and sons and friends come in and just say a few lines here and there. But like the middle tier guys, like I'm sure Phil Lamar did like 40 different characters for Skyrim and I can't even pinpoint him in there. So uh, uh, yeah, probably so. <laughs> so let's but... talk about uh, Scott Elder Scrolls online for a second. Uh... <laughs> I, I am so torn on that. I'm excited. I'm ready for that to come. But at the same time, I don't know how I feel about everything that I love with the Elder Scrolls being not what's going to be implemented on this MMO. I just, I don't know. You know, I'm really torn as well because 
uh, on the one hand, I really, really, really want to play it, and I think it's going to be very interesting. And I think the idea of being able to play Skyrim and have and be like, hey, Devin, just hop into my game real quick, and and you know, or whatever, however they choose to do Elder Scrolls Online, or be like, hey, let's meet up here and we'll just go do a raid real quick. I I like that idea, and I think it's a really neat one. But at the same time, I really do like having a job. Uh, and I feel like Elder Scrolls Online is going to be very detrimental to having a job and, and eating and my health. Um, like I, I also kind of enjoy taking a shower. That's a kind of a dirty secret of mine. Did you get that? That was a pun because dirty and shower. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't honestly, I can see, I, I don't, I've never gotten how people can get addicted to wow and, you know, fail tests and you know quit their jobs and you know get get so sucked in that that's their life anymore but with elder scrolls online i'm actually a little bit concerned about that because if they do it as well as they've done all of their single player games they're gonna blow it out of the water yeah well one thing to keep in mind is that it's being done by Zenimax studios not bethesda but i'm sure bethesda will still have one or two dudes like, I'm sure they're going to have producers or something consulting or directors being like, oh, you should do this with this, you should do this with this. But, I mean, at the same time, it's still the entire game is going to be made by ZeniMax software um, and not actually going to be done by the Bethesda team that did Oblivion and Skyrim. So I am I think that that came as a result of, like, the cartoony-ish look. Like, not not the realistic Skyrim look, but a bit more along the, like, mid-bore on the, on the WoW scale, like, going towards yeah cartoonish, shell-shaded kind of thing. Yeah, I noticed that, too. I was, yeah. uh, was kind of weirded out by that, because I saw that first official art piece, and I was like, oh, well, this is just art. I mean, this has nothing to do with the game or anything, and then uh, I started to see more and more, and I was like, oh, this is the art style they actually want to do. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's gonna be. I know that they're gonna have the uh, pre-selected abilities and special attacks and whatever that you can set up to macro keys, like you could with any other MMO. But it's not gonna have the same kind of freedom that you enjoyed. It's gonna. It's. I have no doubt it's gonna be expansive. That the maps are gonna be huge. There's gonna be a lot of exploration involved, and it's still gonna have some of the same RPG elements. But at the same time, it's not. It's not gonna be able to switch between first and third person, third and first person view. And it's just going to be really limiting, and it's not going to feel like Elder Scrolls at all. It's just going to feel like a medieval game with a title that kind of resembles Elder Scrolls. Well, yeah, we'll I don't know. Out. I mean, maybe maybe that's the title that they're going to show off at E3, is, is something having to do with Elder Scrolls Online. If they give us, like, 10 minutes of gameplay, or even if they give us 30 seconds of gameplay, I think I'd be happy with it, so that I can make an informed decision on whether or not I should start bashing it or lauding it, because I... I uh, I really want to get on the either hate or love bandwagon, like right now, early. I want to be an early adopter. Yeah. Of or hate. an early hater. Yeah. Sure. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Black Ops Two is announced, and they're probably gonna do some Activision's problem. Treyarch is gonna come out and have a demo, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I really hope. That, I hope they do zombies. I hope. I hope they have the, their demo on on the floor of zombies. Because if not, that's kind of depressing. Oh, the floor demo. I don't know about the floor demo, but I'm sure they'll do zombies. Um, it, in the game, obviously. Uh, I don't know. I think um, Black Ops. I, I don't know. Like Modern Warfare Three made a lot of people mad because it was like the same thing, and you exactly know, they, they the cut and paste a whole bunch of stuff, and. 
I think I feel like Black Ops is going to be probably just a cut and paste of uh, of um or Black Ops Two is just going to be a cut and paste of Black Ops, which not, is kind of a so cut much, and paste. Of... So well, much. the trailers show that they have Black Ops set pretty far ahead in the future from the Cold War Vietnam era kind of esque setting that the original Black Ops had, but it's still it's going to be a Call of Duty title. The engine's going to feel the same. The multiplayer is going to feel the same, and. <laughs> Based on the pattern that I've seen, the maps are probably going to get about ten percent smaller. So i i really I really hope Treyarch can come up and can come up and give me a full on surprise because I have absolutely no hopes for this. I'm Wait, sorry okay. to say, but you I want, don't. You want to be surprised? All right. How about having choice in a linear, like actually having multiple endings that have that that based or that are based on your choices in a single player? So wait, do you mean that their endings are going to be better than that of Mass Effect Three? Oh, I probably. Went there. Probably. Peter's um, gonna hate. But no, uh, yeah, no. Treyarch is like, uh, it's gonna be well, kind of going give me back and endings, forth. But I still want a storyline to lead up to these endings because these endings would be you either shoot this guy or you shoot that guy. I mean, again, I, I, no, no, no. There's been many times that I've gotten excited about a Call of Duty game and I've been let down pretty much every single time for what was announced and what it actually ended up being because it was like, well, you twisted those words very well. Congratulations, that was talented. You guys suck. So fair enough. Okay, well, what they've announced <laughs> is that there's going to be there's, these they're called strike missions that uh they're going to happen periodically throughout your storyline and you can basically figure out what you're going to do in this in the strike mission and depending on how you uh, whether you take that mission or not, or whether you win or fail, is going to actually change the storyline as a whole. I'm betting it's going to be a kind of like, um, you know, military readiness similar to Mass Effect 3 in the multiplayer. How that, how that kind of storyline tied into uh, the ending. I, but, I doubt they're going to go into that kind of detail. Honestly, I would well, hope so, but I I don't know. I I well, don't expect uh, that kind of effort and storyline from them. Well, my the news post that I made on Arista Gamer, haha, shameless plug. Kind of has actually has a link to the it, the full interview that they did with G4 that actually explains there looks like they're going into some pretty deep depth. Like you could uh, with these strike missions, you can stay in Overwatch mode, giant quotes because it's obviously you know cliched as hell. Um, but you can actually kind of have it like a bit of an RTS element where you can kind of move people up and down the battlefield, and then you can zoom in and do kind of a Valkyrie Chronicles thing where you can kind of zoom in and actually take control of, like, a drone and fly him or a, a different dude Ooh. on a different angle and be able to actually, like, move a, move up in this battlefield. And it's probably going to be, like, a, a like a, a ten-minute mission, but you get to do a lot of actually, like, in-depth, d- detailed work in that one mission. And then that, whether you succeed or fail, you know, grabbing some intelligence or capturing a point uh, will determine how well you do in the entire overall story, which will have different endings. Well, that's I really pretty interesting, right, man. I do because I, 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 I do feel bad that I've lost so much faith in the series. I used to love Call of Duty so much, I did, but I'm—they've uh, just had a way with twisting words. And I hope that you're actually right on this. The the kind of detail that they're claiming that they're going to have, like with this RTS Overwatch mode, because they kind of had that with Assassin's Creed Revelations that you kind of went to this tower defense RTS mode, and it was kind of fun, but it really didn't feel like it belonged in the game, and it didn't last long, and it didn't add that much to it, even though they claimed it did. So uh, I, I'm just being skeptical, but I just could be 
being completely biased in this because of my hatred towards this game series right now. So, you know, you can take that with a grain of salt. But I, I, I do sincerely hope that you're right on this because I just have so little faith. Well, I'm actually – this is going to be the first Call of Duty that I actually purchase and get Xbox Live for because <clears throat> um, Mike and Fee play uh, Black Ops religiously. And they want to play Black Ops 2 religiously. So I feel like uh, if I was going to get into a game and have people there that I know and that I can play with and have fun with and, and get trained up and stuff, that would be the game to do it. And I think that uh, I may as well give the series a try. I mean, it's it's really popular. It's pretty fluid all the times that I've played local multiplayer and online multiplayer. Uh, I'd like to I'd like to give it a try, you know? Akimbo Machine Pistols, you'll be set. Okay, can do. I'll remember that. <laughs> I can. I can vote anything, and he'll be set. Yeah, I can vote anything. Just run around doing that. You're good. But, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I generally I take the I take the approach of um, selecting like one of the default classes for guns, and then I run around and try to knife people. Nice. That's me. I know I'm actually kind I... of sad they took that away from the second Call of Duty, where you could have the, basically the infinite run and you just run around knifing people. People get upset about that, and I still did that even when they took away that uh, exploit glitch, where if you held the uh, the care package grenade, you didn't you're actually toss faster. it. You'd be crouched and you'd run a little bit faster, and so you'd be basically this fast-moving little boulder of a munchkin stabbing people in the legs. It was funny. They fixed the glitch. I still did the run in a knifing thing just because it felt so much cooler. And I liked the little things like that. It's sort of, yeah, it's a, it, it's a first-person shooter, but I'm making this a first-person stabber. And I'm killing people that are shooting at me. And they're getting mad, but if you think about it, you just got stabbed and you have a gun. So, really, I, I really loved that kind of feel. But they took that away just because in the third game because pe- too many people complained about it. And I don't really understand why when they fixed the glitches behind it. It was still fun to do. But people just got, oh, you quit doing that. You're being such a so-and-so bleep. And I'm just sort of – I'm just playing the game and having fun. You don't have to take this so seriously. If I want to stab people in a gun game, I'm going to stab people in a gun game. <laughs> and on that note, how about Dishonored? That game looks interesting. I would love to see some of that on E3. Yeah, I'm actually kind of excited about that. That one looks really interesting. Yeah. Wasn't that a Jet Li movie? I, think, I don't think I'm familiar with this game. <laughs> I think you posted... Uh, no, um, no, you didn't. Um, it's a, this, there, it was a trailer um, about a dude who was a... Uh, looks like a prisoner, and then he tons his mask and just starts killing people. He runs around the rooftops. Oh, him. yeah, that yeah, one! It's, uh, it was like... Assassin's Creed. Yeah, it was like a infamous in Assassin's Creed. Man, yeah, I remember that game. It looks it looks kind of interesting. I, I would I would like to see where they take that one. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll give it a try. I'll rent it. I'm willing to give that one some faith. Um, and then of course Torchlight Two comes out in a month. So yeah. Wait, Dota Two? No, Torchlight Two. Oh. Torch. Torchlight Two is coming out, which it's kind of funny because. So Torchlight came out, more or less kind of took a lot from, you know, Diablo. Diablo 3 took a lot of awesome pages from Torchlight's book, I'm assuming, because they did a lot of things that were really good with RPGs. And then Torchlight 2 is coming out, which I'm sure, you know, isn't much of a coincidence coming out a month after Diablo 3. And I wonder what they're going to do, because it's going to be fun. (laughs) Well, I I have no idea. Um, I've never played Torchlight either, so there you go. Well, I think they're going to release it on... Hopefully they'll release it on Xbox 360, because um, I think they have Torchlight on Xbox 360, so it, it's going to be a fun thing if you can do like co-op with all your friends on a 360 without much hassle. Speaking of 360, 
How about that Minecraft? Yeah, I downloaded it <laughs> wow, and I'm playing it, subtle. and I'm doing a video review on it. Um, it should be fun. So far, just to give you a really quick like preview of what's going on, there's some glitches in the game that I have found. One of them being that apparently, whenever they decided on the uh, octopus spawning script, uh, they counted all bodies of water, uh, and this is including rivers. Uh, waterfalls and snow. Okay. Yes, snow. So my spawn area, there were like four octopuses just hanging out on a mountain. Octopi. Octopi, just out of water, and I couldn't kill them either. And then I would turn around and they would disappear. It's very strange. <laughs> well, what's what's wrong with that? It seems normal to me. No, no nothing wrong with it. I'm just no, that's I'm just how saying. I hang that's out with thing. octopi in an aquarium. I you know I take them out of the tank and sit on the lawn chair with them. <laughs> yeah, you know, let them get the exercise. Yeah, got to stretch yeah. them legs. They flop around. It's really uh, it's really good for their cardio. A little sexy too. Ugh. Um, another thing is is the multiplayer aspect of it, which I still need to try out with a uh, a few friends. I think, but. Um, it, it sounds like it's pretty cool. You can do it, uh, locally. The only caveat for doing it locally, I mean, cause you can have, you know, as many people, I think it's up to four people, uh, locally can be mining stuff and, you know, doing whatever. Uh, but the caveat is that it has to be on a high definition TV. Uh, I'm not sure how much that matters, but they are offering a refund to people that bought it for a standard definition TV and they obviously can't play the multiplayer. And I'm sure that's like, you know, maybe... 50 people that did that <laughs> yeah um maybe 49 i don't know it's hard i don't have much of a say because i played minecraft so much on my pc that i'm not i don't know if i'm actually gonna buy it on the 360 so i can play multiplayer just because i like on on the pc there's so so much time investment you put to like being on a server with a bunch with a different with a with the community and you know, all of the extra mods that got put into just doing, like, one server so you could start, you know, playing with other people. I, uh, plus, I don't want to have to rebuild my castle again and my ornery. Yeah, my that's that's a good point, is that you have to start over from scratch in a different world, but uh, I think they make, they make playing with people online a lot easier because for Minecraft, you have to put in IP addresses or, you know, uh, like, you have to have a server set up with somebody with yeah. uh with Minecraft for the 360, you just make your game open and online and somebody can just find your gamer tag and join. It's not it's not a thing. It's really easy to do. So that's nice. that's, that's How, something that's really nice is that they made it pretty easy to get through. Uh you know, but there are definitely problems with the core game that need to be addressed. I wonder how the rent how the rendering is on Minecraft cuz yeah, graphically it doesn't Not look good because of yeah, I would have figured with worlds as big as these get <laughs> the uh, render speed on the 360 would be a little bit lacking. Yeah, I will get into all of that in uh jeez, what day is this? Is it the 23rd in 7 days. 7 days. By the way, speaking of that, do either of you want to be in the video review? Diablo 3 must be reviewed. Oh, yeah, there's that. Forget about that. <laughs> so, since I lost eight hours... Since I, oh, no, I didn't tell you uh, Devin wasn't here for that. So, um, the eight hours that I had yesterday, that I was supposed to have yesterday to play Diablo 3, uh, the servers were down for maintenance because of the time difference. Right, I, I I was here for that. Oh, you were here for yeah, that. He was here. So, yeah, he was here. Yeah, I gotta catch up. Eight, I yeah. gotta catch up in eight hours. Um, 
so yeah, I'm thinking um, we're going to Houston, uh, I think, this weekend to do Eurovision and stuff. So we can uh, shoot Aristogamer if you would like, or I can shoot it this week here and edit it whenever I get back. Yeah, I say go ahead and shoot it this week because I will not be here this weekend. So I will not be able to go to Eurovision this weekend. Ooh, where are you going? I'm going up to visit my fiance with my mother and my fiance's dad, and we're going to talk wedding stuff. So, you know, I can't really skip out on that. It's a little important. I mean, I feel like you could just hire a body double. <laughs> yeah, they actually, you know. Like, I've got a. Uh, I mean, you could probably just hire, I don't know, like Nick to go. He looks like you. Yeah, we're about the same body type and everything, you know. Yeah, Except pretty pretty similar. And has different color hair and nose and voice. He's probably a lot hairier than you. Yeah, he is. So I don't see how that would be important given this kind of event, but actually I don't want to think that far ahead. Yeah, there you go. Uh, why don't we turn this back to games? So, um, another so, game. So, Harry Games. Another game that I'd like to see at E3, but I know I won't because it'll probably be at Tokyo Game Show, is uh, the Wright vs. Layton game. Nobody. Yeah, what? That's kind of interesting. That I have. Yeah, I you have no idea. It's um. So, uh, does do either of you know what it is? I mean, no. I I know okay. the series that you're talking about, but I don't know what. Shit so know. so yeah, this was the thing that got announced last year. Um, it was uh basically Professor Layton and Phoenix Wright are now in the same universe. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. In like a parallel universe line. thing. Oh yeah. And uh. Who is it? Phoenix Wright is the defense attorney for this witch going on witch trial, and Layton is the prosecuting attorney. And they're both trying to work to find the truth, and there's a whole bunch of puzzles and stuff. And they haven't released any gameplay or anything, but they had this crazy long trailer and a whole bunch of uh, of pictures from it. And, it, I mean, it looks like a really cool game, but I'd really like to hear more about it. I want to see some gameplay. I want to see some trailers, some more story stuff. Uh, and I can guarantee you we're probably not going to see it at... um. Guarantee you probably. I've said that a lot. Um, yeah. We're probably not going to be seeing anything at this no, E3. No, that's not going to be an E3. I can almost promise that. that. There's no way. That's way too early. But, to, well, that this got announced. Jeez, when was it? Two, two Tokyo game shows ago, maybe? Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, I it's think, been a while. I wonder what we're going to hear from uh, Sony and Nintendo about the Vita and the, the 3DS. I'm so hoping... do I, because the sales figures for the uh, the DS, the 3DS just came out, and they've sold, I think, 6 million units, whereas I think the Vita has sold 1 million units, so... Didn't see that coming. Oh, yeah. it's definitely something that has to... It's, it, I think it's going to go the, along the same route the PSP did, where the PSP at first was cool, but it took a while because games had to come out for it, like... Yeah. I, that's that's what I'm hoping. All I Chances want. Chances are they're gonna get more focused on having these little tiny disc-sized movies for the PSP, like they did for the PSP, and not actually focus on the fact that it's a game system that needs games. Well, well you know, I, I'd like to see better games and more games for it. Uh, but I, I think I think they're coming out. You know, there there's uh, a yeah. Gravity Rush that's coming out, and uh, also Gravity Rush, and. Uh, oh, Gravity Rush is coming out next month. So I, I wish. I think 
think one of the problems that they're getting with some of these handhelds towards Sony's side is that a lot of the times when I see games for PSP or for the Vita or whatever, is that it's kind of backstory or branched games of main series for the PS3. You know, you have the Assassin's Creed Bloodlines, and you have a God of War for the PS Vita. I mean, they don't actually give a lot of focus on original handheld games. It's basically miniaturized mini-stories of mainstream games, and it's always pretty much become a letdown. Like, Bloodlines was a complete and total waste. I mean, it was barely a game at that. It was bored me to tears, really. And well, they they don't. I mean, they do have good. They do have original games, but they don't have that same kind of focus on it like they used to. I mean, it's not like they had in the good days. I mean, it's. Um, I feel like it's that's to be expected, though. Um, I can't really name an original Game Boy series besides uh, Pokemon that got really big. Can you? Let me think. Kirby out now. No. Someone out now. Yeah. No, but see, all those games except for Pokemon, a lot of the times the ones that work out for the DS or whatever, those are still the ever popular Mario titles or the platform games that we all grew up with as a childhood. I cannot say that I grew up with God of War since the good old days of Nintendo. Yeah, but I mean that just has to do with what age group you're in. If you try to abstract yourself from that, it's it's. I mean, if the game is good, it'll catch on. But a lot of times, I don't see the games ended up being that good. A lot of these handheld versions, towards the PlayStation side, have kind of been letdowns based on the. Now that's true. Compared to the original ones, and that's why they're not catching on. I mean, there have been some Kirby games on the DS that are great, and there have been some Kirby games that have been complete and total crap. It's just. It it really does depend on the game, and as far as PlayStation Vita or PSP or whatever is concerned, it's leaning more towards the side of they didn't try as hard as they could have. And yeah. so they're not giving it proper focus. They don't realize how big the handheld market actually is continuing to be. That They don't need to give so much focus to console and PC that they just kind of shrug off the uh, handheld side of it and kind of give it some focus every now and then. You're like, oh, hey, that sounds like a good thing. We'll give it a full-time budget, and then everything else will just kind of throw you the scraps. I mean, it's not really fair. It's I consider it an equal market compared to other things, too. I don't know. I think that the Vita is going to shoot, is going to kind of like, it, it's it's going to have it slow going in the beginning. This I think by the fall, it'll have it slow rolling, but then there's supposed to be the release of Persona 4 and uh, it's released on the Vita, and they're gonna probably have a couple announcements for the Vita this year and for next year. And I think once people, once develop uh, devs start putting, you know, testing the waters, just like they did with the 360 and the PS3, um, and how like they did with the PS with the PSP, is that they start figuring out what it can do, and they're gonna realize, oh, this thing is as powerful, uh, nearly as powerful as what a PS3 probably could do in its early, like the earliest, you know, versions of the PS3 could do. That it once it, they realize that it's really powerful that they can do a lot with it, they'll put out games for it and it'll get really good. I mean, I've seen like, Rayman Origins and Mortal Kombat. And... I knew it. I knew Mortal Kombat was going to be brought up. I saw that one. That's, it's good. It's really good. Yeah, I, I'm just kind of worried that they might go with the Mortal Kombat ports. Like, you know, play old is, Mortal it's... Kombat. Play another Sonic game because we're not letting that go. Well, okay, they ported they ported the current the 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 Mortal Kombat remake, and they made it. It's perfect. It's it is. There's nothing oh, toned it's a down by. I have no I have no qualms with that. That's a good game. And the thing is that if they can keep if they do that, where they make they make um 
you know, a great, absolutely fantastic port, not not the Bloodlines kind of port, an absolute port that's perfect, or not perfect, but as close to perfect as you could get on a portable, then that's going to show that, oh, hey, you can take the next Kingdom Hearts or the next Final Fantasy and put, put it on a smaller screen, but not sacrifice, you would only have to sacrifice, you know, so much when it comes to performance or graphics or anything. When it, when the P, when a Vita, a handheld, can handle that much, then that's certainly something to look for, that devs will start looking at. And when you have exactly. touchscreens everywhere, when they need touchscreens to, everywhere. They need to push the limits of these things, they, like they do with consoles. They need to actually push the limits of what this handheld's capable of doing, and they need to fit it all onto one game and be able to throw that out there. They don't need to just kind of do it as a half job. I mean, if, if they give it that kind of focus, like you like you were saying with those particular games, then it can really pick up, and that'll make these games popular, which will make people want more of this kind of style of games, which will mean the PS Vita sales will go up. They just need to realize that it has to start that, at that square one, getting the good quality games out. And I think I think the other, uh, another side of this is there's not... You know, as much as we, as I would like to think that the handheld market is just as big as the console market, I don't think it is. Um, I think you're probably going to hit about half the audience, which means about half the probably. revenue, which means about well, half the budget. Well, we have yeah. to look at the younger generation too. We can't. We, we you think about it as us. You know, with our time, when we want to sit down and game, we really want to sit down and game. We want to get on our computers or our console, and we're gonna actually have a lot of fun with this here and with a lot of the younger generation they don't have that kind of time to be able to sit down either from rules of their parents or because they don't want to sit still for that long or they just want to go out and you know go outside and do something and i I, the handheld market is really well it's not really geared towards a younger audience but i think that a majority of the sales in that is towards the younger audience and so they need to take that into account as well well it's also the, I mean, I think the market is is kind of is kind of small. The best thing that they could do is to make the SDK almost invisible, to where if you if you're using all of PlayStation's stuff, if you're uh you know if you're using all of their things um you know to make this PS3 game, and you get done with it, and you're like, oh well, this is a great PS PS3 game. Uh, I'd like to release it on the Vita. How much work is that going to take? And they're like, oh, well, we have this nifty tool that basically converts most of your code. There are a few functions that you'll have to go through and recreate, and you may have to re-render and redo some of your models, but that'll be it. It'll take a month's work tops. Then all of a sudden, that's like, hey, this is a mini, a mini you know, wind-down project that we can release concurrently, and maybe we can add in some cloud-saving features and some, uh, some seamless gameplay stuff where you can take your game on your, uh, on your Vita and just go with you and go to someplace else and you know, pop the save game in and everything is good. I think the Vita's getting there. Like, I think the Vita's really close to that kind of idea. When it comes to, like, I mean, Konami's introducing transfarring a really dumb name for an actually awesome idea of transferring saves on the next whatever, you know, Metal Gear Solid games you have or, you know, Revengeance when it comes out is being able to literally transfer your game save and just go from one system to the next. Um, also, I think that the, that right now the, the handhelds are starting to contradict themselves. Uh, by that, I mean the Vita is an awesome piece of, you know, hardware for playing handheld games. And handhelds are directed toward more of a casual market because... They're they're they cost less. They're supposed to be. They have you know they're they're literally smaller in many ways. Um, but now because of the way this because of like just the current market, they're ha- they're expanding the functionality of them to be able to do internet and and uh, play videos and do all this and play music and all this other stuff that kids 
that kids want to do, but then also it increases the price where it becomes less of a casual thing to have and more of an actual investment just like a just like a system would. So like it's kinda like you guys are both right. Like it's it's a bigger market because people want to invest in it, but it's also harder for kids to invest in because if they have their mom spend, hey mom, can you spend two hundred and fifty dollars on a portable for me, please? Yeah, and I mean, for you know, for the price that a lot of these handhelds are coming out for now, uh, the 250 Vita and the 179 3DS, I think, I think they've gotten them into the right price point. They just need to come out with good games now. And, yeah, they need to be able to yeah. justify people throwing down that kind of money because the prices have lowered and they are good prices. But still, when you think about it, there are a lot. There is a lot of money towards just getting a handheld gaming thing for, and if it's geared towards casual gamers. That's a lot of money for casual gaming when you're just kind of sitting on the couch with friends playing some games for maybe an hour or two. That was 250 bucks right there for a few times that you're doing that. I mean, they need to make they need to be able to justify you paying that kind of money by giving you games that you really want to sit down and finish playing. In fact, I think the only console that has sold very well on like a promissory note of having good games is the Wii. I mean, the Wii sold crazy huge numbers. Because they were like, this is this really innovative thing. Imagine all the cool things that developers can do with all these tools. And people bought it being like, oh yeah, this is going to be this is going to be the next thing. This is going to be great. And then... Like five, all these... six years later, the Zelda game finally came. Yeah, and then like Ninja Bread Man came out. And... Well, I don't know. Oh, I, I, I still say Ninja that... Bread Man. I still say you got some really good titles over the years. You got like... I mean, sure, there are most of them are sequels. Like Mario, they came out with Mario Galaxy, which I... I find it to be a fun game. Mario Galaxy, they came out with New Super Mario Brothers. And yes, all the titles that they came out with are all based off IPs that have been there for 20 years. But they came out yep. with Skyrim There's a Sword. reason it still sells. There's a reason yeah. people still Kirby, buy it. It's, Donkey you know, Kong. I mean, you've got your Smash Brothers titles. you got your yep. uh, Pokemon Battle Stadium or Revolution or whatever games. I mean, it, you don't. it's geared towards that kind of audience because that's what they've been wanting to buy. They want... They enjoyed those games of the past. They enjoy being able to replay those games with better graphics and more uh, detail to that. I mean, it's like these people that are crying out for a Final Fantasy VII high-definition re-release. It's the same game. We've played the game before, but you know that if that game was ever developed, it would sell insanely well because people want to play it with that kind of updates. You know, with Final Nintendo, these games were so good in the past, and they want to keep playing them because the games get the proper updates. Yep, I'd agree with you there. Well, I think we uh, we'll go have to we're gonna have to wrap this up. It is it is about at the one hour mark. I believe. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, this has been the Aristogamer podcast, and the next time you hear us, we will be doing uh, post E three wrap up stuff. Yeah. Uh, keep an eye on the website. We're gonna be doing live blog updates of all of the streaming events. Um, we're gonna be Good doing luck. news updates every day about what's going on. We're gonna be having IM conversations with one with one another. It's yeah. gonna be a um, uh, a hoot. A hoot and a half. <laughs> yes, and a half. All right, well, this has been uh, Colby and... Devin. And... And Casey. Yeah. And we will see you guys next month. Bye-bye. Yeah.